Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Believe in Temple Football podcast, season one, episode six. John DiCarlo here with you again, joined by Adam DeMichael, former Temple quarterback, former Temple assistant coach. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. We're back from the holiday break, and uh, the news that we were expecting is here. Uh, Temple, after three seasons, has decided to part ways with its head coach, Rod Carey, uh, Temple's athletic director, Arthur Johnson, talked today to reporters. I was on that call, and he talked about how Temple will, of course, immediately move on to conducting a national search for its next head coach. Adam, we, we knew this was coming. We're not surprised by it, but, you know, you're obviously, again, like we've discussed every week, a big part of the program as a former player, as a former assistant coach. Might sound like a general question, but even though we're not surprised by this news, what's going through your mind right now? What what are you thinking about now that the news is finally here? What what are you feeling? Because this, I'm sure, affects you on a few different levels. You you work with this guy. You you played for the program. You care about it. You wanted to succeed. Probably feeling a uh, a lot of different things here. What's going through your mind right now? Yeah. Hey, hey John. Uh, hey, listeners. Again, uh, happy Thanksgiving to you guys. Hopefully, it, w- it, w- it was a good one. You got to spend some time with your loved ones. Um. And I'm in a, a little mixed bag myself, John. I mean, I'm both, you know, I'm saddened for the university I'm in, and I'm excited at the same time. And I say sad because, you know, Rod, for instance, well, you know, was a solid guy with a, with a great family who, you know, for three years gave what he had to this program and, you know, gave me an opportunity to continue to, to coach and, you know, do what I'm passionate about and whatever I, what I, had, what I had love for. So you know, I'm, I'm appreciative of him for that. And I think about, you know, my coworkers and the assistants that, you know, I was around for those years and, you know, you know, great guys with great families and kids, you know what I mean? And um, I know that's the, the business side of things, you know what I mean? I mean, that's how we all go about things. When people listen, they're going to say the same thing. If, you know, they didn't perform in their job, then this is what happens. So I get it. But you know what? No, I, I've said this before and I've said this when, you know, we were really successful, but I do believe, you know, in my heart of hearts that the players are, you know, the ones that make this this entire program go. And um, I say that, for example, like, you know, Matt Rule, for instance, ain't going to Baylor without the group of guys that he had that last year, you know, with PJ and Tyler and Dion and, you know, Hassan and those guys. Like, that doesn't happen without players, you know what I mean? The players obviously move on to the next level, some of them, and the coach goes and gets paid, you know what I mean, and gets paid. And Collins to Georgia Tech doesn't happen, you know, without the guys that, you know, he had here. So, again, I mean, I think, you know, the athletic director mentioned something about, you know, trying to make sure the, 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 the players were, you know, for the forefront of this program. And that's what's important to me, you know, finding that next guy that can lead them in the direction that, you know, we've all seen, you've seen while you were here. And I've seen as both a, 
uh, well, I guess it's just an assistant because I was a player. We weren't very good, but uh, it's tough. You know, there's there's some excitement building. But at the end of the day, John, I just hope that people were you – know, at the end of the day, when things like this happen, or even, you know, the last couple of weeks when things weren't going good, there's some – there's a lot of pessimists out there. And it's just like, man, like for, for once, can somebody have a little bit of optimism and, and just expect something good to happen and, you know, expect them to get it right. And, you know, when I was looking at some posts today, it's like, Still, like, people are still mad about certain things, and it's just frustrating to me. I know, like, you know, a good friend of mine, Kevin Nagani, tweeted something out, and, you know, a couple of guys tweeted some things out that people are still mad about mm-hmm. what's going on. But, you know, just hopefully people have some optimism and can stay positive throughout this transition and get it right for our players. Adam, we'll get, we'll get to a lot, of, a lot of mailbag questions. This will probably be a mailbag-heavy podcast, obviously, but we're, we're grateful for the, the, the fans and listeners that we do have with this podcast. It's, it's growing pretty quickly, and we're very grateful for that. So a lot of the questions that they have are stuff that I'd probably be asking you anyway. So we'll, we'll get to some mailbag questions in a little bit. And uh, I know that before we get to the mailbag, I want to ask you about several of the seniors who were honored on Saturday. Before we get to that, though, again, you, you were – you were a part of that staff for two years and change, you know, and decided to, as, uh, as we talked about to, to go back home. And I know you had a lot of different reasons for leaving. You've had an inside look at this. My question to you on that is how did we get to where we are today? Why did, why did things in your estimation not work out? How do we get to, to this point where, where Rod is, you know, if, if we are to believe as uh, you know, a couple of media outlets have reported, um, that Rod had a six-year contract. Why? How do we get to this point today where he's, you know, being dismissed halfway through through his contract? Yeah, I think that that's a really good question, and you know, one that and hopefully I answer, you know, the right way here. Um, like I guess in any business, right? Like when something fails, or you know what I mean, or it doesn't go the way you want, or you know, you lose money, or, you know, what I mean, whatever happens, you know, the, the business fails. For instance, it's never usually one thing. You know what I mean? That's and and that's really the same way that the, the Temple pro- football program has been in, in, in John and listeners like year one, whatever, you know, you can say whatever you want. We won eight games and you know, maybe it was with someone else's players, but like he was the head coach. So mm-hmm. people can't discount that he won eight games with a team. You know what I mean? That's what we did. Year two was the COVID year struggled. You know what I mean? A lot of different situations. Then this year was the really bad year that people, you know what I mean? Turned away. So to me, um, when you answer this question, it's kind of like the perfect storm kind of hit. You know what I mean? I mean, it was a little bit of everything. I mean, it's never one thing. Uh, the transfer portal really laid a whooping on us. And I think that during that COVID year, John, I said this before, and I would just see guys that weren't playing, that were injured, and you could just tell that there were some outside people talking to them and telling them, like, hey, listen, you're banged up. You have the opportunity to go play somewhere bigger. You have the opportunity to go, you know, to a better opportunity, a better situation. Like, they just had too much time on their hands, you know what I mean? Being injured and having that possibility to hit the transfer portal. And it was new and it was that new hot thing. You know what I mean? So those guys just had too much time on their hands. Interesting. So the transfer portal was, it was, it was a, you know, kicking the butt for us. I thought, you know, obviously COVID year hurt us. You know, we were playing with, I know everyone says it, you know, our seventh string quarterback who, you know, played his tail off, you know, during that game, um, you know, kids had, you know, Again, man, you're playing with a limited number of guys from scholarships, so that was a big that was a big deal. I think also at that time, you know, you know, we were looking for an athletic director, and we didn't find one. So coach obviously comes Dumphy came, and he was the interim, 
And, you know, we were still searching for a real guy. So having no AD at that time to try to figure out, hey, is this the right situation for our program? Is this the direction we wanted to go? You know, I mean, there was no one really truly evaluating the things that were going on. So I mean, as you sit here and, and think about it, I think at the end of the day, like I said, man, I mean, there was just a perfect storm of things happening. And then at the end of the day, when you don't perform on the field and your players, you know what I mean, don't do as well as you expect or and injuries kind of happen and kids leave again. I mean, it's literally the perfect storm of things happen. And this is what you get. You know what I mean? There's a lot of negative attention. Kids are leaving. Um, and you know what I mean? That, that That's where we're at right now as a program. And so I, I want to ask you about, again, we'll get to a lot more stuff. Uh, if you guys hear us now transition to talking about some of these seniors, we are, we are uh, going to go back to, to talking about, you know, more about Rod Carey's dismissal, potential candidates, all that good stuff. So, so sit tight here for a second. Adam does want to pay tribute to uh, several of the seniors who were honored on Saturday playing their final games in a Temple uniform. So I'm just going to throw some names out to you here. I'm going to give you a name and I just want you to talk about, you know, whatever, spend a minute or two talking about these guys and what comes into your mind when I, when I mention their names. So we'll start with Randall Jones, wide receiver. Yeah, this is great. Um, I was actually part of Randall's official visit. And for the first time him and his mother came up here, the first time they ever saw snow, I was, uh, we stopped on the way back to the airport. We stopped to got his cheesesteak. I think we went to the Rocky steps and, he saw snow for the first time. So I was part of Randall Jones's first ever uh, snow sighting. Um, and I'm just excited for his future. I think he has the talent to, to play at the next level for certain. And I just hope that, uh, you know, he has a great, you know, next few months of training and has that opportunity. I have a quick addition to that. I remember uh, being at down at EO, being at the field, and I can't remember if it was a camp or if he was just there for a practice. Um, and Matt was there and he said, Hey, a buddy of yours is here that you might want to catch up with. And I said, all right. And he like ran off to another drill or something. And then a minute later, I feel this hand on my shoulder. And I turn around and it's Aaron Harris, who was Randall's high school coach at Miami beach mm -hmm. high school. And Aaron was uh, one of the best running backs in the country from where I'm from, from Downingtown played at Downingtown high school. Uh, ended up not winning a state championship because Brandon Short stopped him on uh, four straight plays at the at the goal line. And I think Short mm. was now equipped. I think he was now equipped a guy. Oh no, McKeesport. I'm sorry, <laughs> Short was yeah. McKeesport guy. So Aaron never won a, a state championship. Uh, his his younger brother Arlen did at Downingtown and went on to play in the NFL. Aaron was probably destined for the NFL, but had a uh, like an arthritic knee situation. But uh, and Aaron turns around and, and I give him a hug. I'm like, what are you doing up here? He's like, I'm, I'm coaching now. And, um, I got, I got, you know, I might, I might have a guy from Matt and I'm assuming, assuming he was talking about Randall Jones. And, uh, mm -hmm. it was cool when, when Randall got to the temple, I said, Hey, I went to high school with your high school coach and Aaron's just a, a, a tremendous guy and still lives down there in Florida. So I always think about, think about that when I think of Randall, yeah. uh, Joe, Joe Hooper, next guy. Yeah. Uh, obviously just the. A kid that just got there whenever, you know, obviously transferred in, but a kid that was in my little ABC group that we had, and um, he spent a lot of time in my office just coming in and talking, just learning about one another. Um, he kind of, you know, there were times where he vented to me and I would vent to him, but just a kid that, you know, gave it his all. And, you know, he's one of my favorite followers on, followers on Instagram now. He posts a lot of pictures of him and his girlfriend in Philly just doing some Philadelphia things. So 
I'm uh, I always enjoyed you know my time with Joe. Uh, speaking of Downingtown, another Downingtown guy out of Downingtown East, Jeremy Jennings. I know Jeremy was pretty vocal on on social media about not, yeah. not getting into the game uh, yeah. on on uh, on Saturday, but nonetheless, I, I know you, you know Jeremy. What what are your what do you yeah, think? Yeah, just the, just him? a kid that uh, again. I mean, for whatever he said, whatever the reasons were that he wasn't playing, that's that's him and the staff, but. Kid that you know played running back, wide receiver, defensive back, all you know, kick returner, gunner, just a kid that you know put the time in and you know was dedicated to the cause, and you know the outcome for him on the field maybe wasn't what he wanted, but still there were people out there that appreciated him. Um, hopefully he knows that. Uh, an- another guy whose whose uh, career like Randall Jones really blossomed. I think a guy who really. Um, under a different set of circumstances might've gotten swallowed up by the competition of some younger running backs, but instead he responded with a really nice season. That's Will Quenku. Yeah. Uh, my buddy, my buddy, Will, um, I think he had 750 games played in linebacker mm-hmm. for us this year. I mean, in his <laughs> career. Yeah. So that's exciting. Senior. Um, yeah. So um, I just, every time I would see him, he would speak to me in a different language. It seemed like, like whether uh-huh. it was French, you know, being, you know, my last name to Michael, he thought I was like an Italian mob boss. And he kept, you know, he would talk to me in Italian. And I just remember him bringing his. Will you know, speaks, his he speaks fluent Italian. It had to have been Italian. He was like, I don't know if he just said it or it just sounded like it was Italian, but he found a way to do it. <laughs> and just some, just subtle, subtle, subtle things in the hallway. He just would say, and it would just make you smile. And then you know, again, I remember his official visit and he brought his family up and his mom from Cameroon, you know I me mean, when they came up here and it was just, you know, those guys being here and seeing us take care of them and, and seeing the success that he had um, both on and off the field is a pretty cool thing. And like I said, the kid, the kid's deserving and he will be one that, uh, you know, he will be missed. Next up, I'll ask you about Deerage Ty Mason. Yeah, I like Ty, man. His, him and his mom, we spent a lot of time on his official visit. Um, Ty could just run, man, and just run. I know the COVID year really hurt him with him off the down and whatnot. Nah, I'm just looking forward to his future. I know he's into the whole uh, – well, I don't know. I didn't hear his song yet, but he's either rapping or singing. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to going and downloading his song. But again, a kid that's probably um, a little underappreciated, but made some plays, you know, in his time here. If you go back and look at the tape and he, was, you know, like I said, I remember how, how electric he was when I would see him run and practice just effortless when he ran. Uh, next on the list, Tavon Rule, a good story, a local guy. Uh, played at Valley Forge Military Academy, and then ended up at Temple, and you know was a contributor running back. Yeah, he's um, I mean, his story is pretty interesting. A kid that you know came from you know obviously Philadelphia and fought his way through you know the junior college route, um, which a lot of people can't, especially in football. You know, I mean, for me, I did it in baseball. It's a little different in football. It's the I don't want to say the slums of the slums, but it's difficult. You know, I mean, there's some places that are just hard to play at, but he fought through. Um, and I think Coach Wiesahan recruited him, and then that transition happened. And you know, we weren't sure if we were going to get him. Didn't know what we were going to get from him. But I'm just glad that he was successful. I'm glad that he he got the opportunity to showcase himself. And it was fun to see him run the football and be around him um, at the facility because that was a kid that you know could easily brighten your day just by talking to him for you know what I mean two or three minutes. And, and finally, a, a guy who has an incredible life story. He's been through more in his life that I could ever comprehend a guy that really matured and came around, became a very good football player, Amir Tyler out of Lakewood high school played with uh, Chappelle Russell. Yeah. Lakewood. That's all I could just imagine him. I could just picture him. If I close my eyes and I go to sleep and I could just picture Amir Chappelle and Sean Bradley just walking around clowning each other. 
And, you know, for him to go ahead out there and, again, be, not, not necessarily be around those two guys and try to take that leadership role over, um, it was good to see. And I was excited for him to, you know, go out there and showcase his abilities this year. And, again, I mean, a kid that, again, like you said, the, the, the life stories that he has, you know, I can't even imagine. And just continue to see him fight and push through the adversity and find a way to come out on top, you know, and, 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 and find a way to motivate and keep the guys behind him and below him heading in the right direction was important. And I know um, we'll, we'll miss him as well. And, you know, I mean, he's one that, uh, you know, he's one of my favorite guys out there. So, Adam, we'll go to uh, a pretty full mailbag this week. We've got some that came to us via email and then some that came to us via Twitter. So we'll go to the email, uh, the email account first. What do we have there? Yeah, so um, obviously this is one of the more exciting parts of the podcast, getting to hear from some of the people that are listening. So, again, we appreciate you guys out there listening to us. Um, this is from Brandon, and then this is also um, a similar question that Mike Greenspan asked. Uh, regarding the strength and conditioning aspect. So, John and Adam, um, I don't think I submitted my question last time. So, Adam, can you discuss the importance of the strength and conditioning staff and where you think Brad Ort failed? It seemed pretty clear that our offensive and defensive linemen were getting blown off the ball consistently this year. What made guys like uh, former strength coaches Tony Decker, Jeremy Scott, and Dave Feely so successful? And then can you also discuss the relationships that former – Matt Rule staffers have with one another. And if you could see a situation where if someone like Elijah Robinson becomes the head coach, would Fran be, would Fran Brown potentially be a defensive coordinator? So um, let me get back to this really quickly. Uh, well, first off, sorry not getting to that question last time out. Um, to me, the strength and conditioning staff is pretty much the heartbeat of your team. Um, and people are probably going to hear that and might think I'm crazy. Some might understand it. But just imagine the time, you know, they spend with the players. You know what I mean, John? Like, Mm-hmm. Those guys are, 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 are with the players more than the full-time staff, you know, the position coaches, the head coach, you know, they're lifting in the, in the mornings. There's active recovery where they're, you know, doing, um, you know, things in the weight room to become more flexible. They're at breakfast for guys that are trying to lose weight. You know, they're, 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 they're breakfast with guys trying to gain weight. They're at the lunches for, you know, those same reasons. They're taking kids to the, to the grocery store to buy them food and make sure they're having the right food to cook while they're at home. And then, you know, in summer when, you know, uh, the full-time coaches are at the beach or on an island somewhere and the strength staff has, you know, four to six weeks all by themselves with the players. So, you know, they're trying to find ways to build them up, break them down, try to find ways to motivate and push them to and pass their limits. And kind of, you know, those were some of the good ones that I was that I was around. That's what they did. You know what I mean? Like Tony Decker and, you know, Jeremy Scott and Philly, they were also – I thought we're extremely good communicators and, you know, didn't stand for any type of BS that a kid was trying to pull. You know what I mean? But at the same time, those dudes were, I feel like extremely approachable. So I think that was the key for them being successful. So I don't know if, you know, coach Ort failed or not. That, that's how I see it. Those were things that the guys that were successful did. And that's why they were successful. So when you talk about the lineman question here, uh, guys, um, I think this year it seemed like teams were just physically bigger than we were up front. And then, I mean, I think that has to do with a number of different things. Um, and some of those can be related to the strength staff, but some of those, you know, really aren't. I mean, you know, we could tell a kid, John, like I told – I didn't tell him, but like we told Cole Boozer back in the day when he was tight end, like, hey, Cole, you got to gain 60 pounds, buddy, or you're not playing here. And then, uh, hey, Cody Booth, guess what? you got to gain 60 pounds or you're not going to play. You could just – and they both gained the weight and became NFL tackles and NFL tight ends. 
So, you know, we could tell them go and do this and don't and do that. But, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, if that kid's better than the other player and they give us a better chance to win, that kid's going to play. So, but here's what I do know. The player and the strength staff have to find a way to see eye to eye on, you know, their main goal, no matter if they don't see eye to eye on other things. And then you talking about Matt Rule's question, I think, was, you know, everyone's relationship, I feel, with Matt is different. Um, you know, he took some guys to Baylor and left others behind. You know, he took some guys to Carolina and others moved on to different places. So each guy's different, I would assume. And then, you know, I wouldn't be able to speak necessarily on other guys' situations. And then, you know, Elijah and Fran, I know this is a long-winded question. Sorry about that. But it would be an interesting combination. I mean, everyone knows how close they are. If you don't, they're fairly close. They know each other really well. The families know each other well. They fought through the profession together. And, you know, they're doing things at the highest level and have done it together at multiple places. So it wouldn't be, you know what I mean, something crazy if it were to happen. But, you know, it would be an interesting combination if one of them was a head coach in the D.C. And then she's John. I mean, maybe we'd have our first ever co-head coach, man. That would be pretty cool. So Elijah and Fran, the co-head coaches for Temple. <laughs> but there's my, uh, my long-winded first question, John. Wait, let me ask you a, a, a follow-up follow to that real quick. Um, it, you know, and again, this is we're, we're spitballing here. This is all hypothetical. I'd be I'd be shocked if I'd be mildly surprised if 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 both those guys did not get interviews. Uh, but you know, let's say Elijah Robinson is hired, and you know Arthur Johnson says Elijah, you know, be thrilled if you could join us from you know Texas A and M, come back home. Elijah says, yes, mm -hmm. we know we're not breaking any news here. We, we know that, that Fran has wanted to be the next head coach at Temple for quite some time. He, he wanted it a couple of times around does. And again, I, the only person who can truthfully answer this question is, is Fran Brown himself. So I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but everybody's right. got, everybody's got pride. Everybody's got an ego. Let's say it's Elijah who gets the head job. And he says, Fran, I, I want you to be my defensive coordinator. Now, the Fran's never been an outright defensive coordinator. Does pride get in the way there? Or, or like, if I'm putting you on the spot here, does he? Do you, do you think Fran would come to Temple as a defensive coordinator if Elijah was the head coach? I don't know. Um, I think Fran, you know, if he was deciding between, you know, Rutgers and Temple, and, you know, I mean, I think obviously he's in a good situation there, you know, being under Shiano and learning from Shiano that maybe sometime soon he might be able to move up to the defensive coordinator position there. So I don't know if necessarily pride is an issue because maybe if it were somebody other than Elijah, you know what I mean? Maybe if he, you know, if say for instance, he lost to another guy or another candidate that, you know what I mean? But for Elijah, you know what I mean? I don't think it's nothing besides, Hey, listen, that's not what I want right now. Good luck type of deal. So it would be interesting to, to see, but again, if he's having to compare, or, 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 you know, the situation is being a D.C. there or possibly being a D.C. over in, in, in Piscataway in the near future. You know, I mean, he has to weigh those things. And then, again, that's a lot of moving back and forth, changing your kids' things, changing lifestyles. But, again, I mean, who the heck knows? That's a great question, though. I wish Fran was on here that, so he would answer it. Yeah. Huh. I think he's. Uh, I think he. I think he strategically bought a house in South Jersey that's close enough. But I think he's got like a decent commute up to Rutgers, but he'd be close enough to Philly. But again, we'll we'll, right. we'll see. Will certainly certainly be interesting. We've got a few more here on Twitter. Uh, this next one is from the handle at Pro Better Four. This is a three part question. First one, Adam, how do you specifically feel? And again, this is along the lines of Fran Brown and Elijah Robinson. 
Adam, how do you specifically feel about, and he has specifically in all caps, specifically feel about Fran Brown and Elijah Robinson and your experiences with them? Yeah, first, I'd love to ask that one. I love I love Elijah Robinson and I love Fran Brown. And the two guys that I've kept in contact with, you know, when we were on that staff early on, was, you know, the three of us were the young guys on staff, um, the guys that had ideas, the guys that had energy, the guys that had, you know, recruiting juice that wanted to do more, wanted to push the limits. You know, guys had, you know, and the, both those guys have, you know, seen it at the highest level, you know, Elijah coming from Penn State and a friend was in the league at times and seen, you know, how things were done. Um, so, I mean, I think both those guys have, have what it takes and they're obviously doing things like I mentioned earlier, they have what it takes to, 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 to be the, be a head coach at, at, at one time or another, whether that's now or another time, I don't know. Um, but they have what it takes and you know, I, I'm excited and I like, I like watching their guys play football and I like watching the energy that they, that they coached with. That was always something that was glaring to me. The passion they had for, for, for coaching their guys and the energy and the same passion, energy and recruiting. And that's a big deal to me. I will say this, if, if the, if the um, staying on this topic, if, if, if the roles were reversed and Fran got the head coaching job, it is worth noting that Elijah Robinson is the third highest paid defensive line coach in college football. Texas A&M has a, a monster budget down there. Only Larry Johnson at Ohio State and Bo Davis at Texas get paid. Um, well, actually, Elijah's, uh, this is according to Football Scoop, Elijah's making $875,000 a year uh, down there to be the defensive line coach. So I think if, um, I don't know, I don't, I don't control the athletics budget at Temple, but I think he'd be a lot of money. Yeah, he'd be taking a pay cut probably to come to, to Temple as the defensive coordinator. So again, a lot, a lot of uh, a lot of factors go into that. But just yeah. wanted to wanted to throw in that throw that in there. Um, number two, this is a name that comes up. I'll just say real quick, I'm not seeing it. I don't know the Hill interview for the job. Just my my personal opinion, but it's a name that gets thrown out there. Uh, number two, Adam, do you think Temple can replicate success with an outsider like Dan Mullen? Dan Mullen, of course, was at Florida. Yeah, right. I think uh, obviously Arthur Johnson said this earlier. Like, I mean, if the if 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 it's the right situation and if it's the right guy, then you know, I mean, you, you have to go ahead and, and do what you have to do. I mean, an outsider, I think, would have to obviously come in and he would have to evaluate the situation. I think the outsider would have to reach out to the people that were successful. Um, at Temple, you know, the Matt rules, the assistants that he might, you know, know in the, in the profession. I don't think there's going to be someone that comes in here and wants to do things their way and their way only, and that's not going to work. So when outside of work, I think it could. And, you know, I think it has to be a, the right fit and a guy that kind of sees the vision and understands how Temple works. Um, so, again, is it Dan Mullen? I don't know. I've just – I've always seen a bunch of names, and it's just like the revolving doors. Like, a guy gets fired. Why do you want to hire him somewhere else that fast? Like, he just got fired for a reason. Why do you want to hire him here? It's like everyone's yeah. like, and again, I see this again. I'm just, I'm using Fran and Elijah for just for an example. And I could say the same with my, all my temple guys, Foley and the Weezer Hands, Sarabos, all those guys are being named. They've never been head coaches before. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I wish I could, no bleep, bleep, no bleep. Like that's how it happens. Like you want them to be a court. Sometimes it, that's just not how it is. It's like if you're the right fit and everything aligns right with what you believe in and what the program believes in and the athletic director's vision, the president's vision, if that all aligns correctly, 
And that's all that matters. I mean, who cares if they weren't a coordinator? Who cares if they didn't call plays? You know what I mean? If you can motivate the guys, I mean, that's important. You know what I mean? If you can recruit, that's important. So to me, I just don't understand that side of things. And again, I haven't, I haven't understood that for a long time. So that's a little off tar- off track there. So I apologize, but. No, it's right. It's it's my feel too. Yeah. It's no, I think, I think it's right on track actually. And again, I I get why Dan Mullen's name comes up and this is, you know, we appreciate fans being engaged and locked in on this. And that's part of the the fun of being a fan. You speculate, you throw names out there. You do. Would it be cool to have Dan Mullen? I mean, would it be cool to work for Dan Mullen? Yeah. Would it be cool to play for him? Hell yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, I think that, you know, does Dan Mullen want to come to Temple? I don't know, but it's probably a a little far-fetched, but. His name is. There's an outsider. Outsider can work. Yes. Yeah, I mean, his name comes up because he's, you know, he's he's from Drexel Hill, uh, the couple, right. you know, couple miles over from where I am in Havertown. So he's a Delaware County neighbors, guy. You and him are neighbors. Wow. Yeah. Well, never, never, <laughs> at the, never at the same time. But you know, he's 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 from Philly. Uh, he was at our sinus, but that doesn't necessarily mean uh, again. I mean, I, I have never talked to Dan Mullen before. I mean, the guy obviously, you know you know, has, has coached a lot of great football in his life and, and had a, a great, uh, a great career at Mississippi state before he went to Florida. But apparently one of the, one of the supposed knocks on Dan Mullen is that he didn't recruit well enough. And, and, you know, yeah, obviously duh, you have to recruit well to anywhere to win, but at temple, you really, 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 really have to put in the effort to recruit. So why would you want to bring in a guy who is whether the perception's fair or not, has Knox right. on like grinding enough to recruit just because oh he's from Drexel Hill he's a Philly guy well I, I don't know again <laughs> we're we're assuming that that you know we don't even know if he has interest in the job I, I don't really necessarily see it that's my humble opinion so I, I think everything you said there is in line with with what I believe so I don't think it was off you know off track at all um, the question number three of uh, this three-part question here from uh, Pro Better Four on Twitter. Are you planning, and this is one we've, we've heard before, and I'm sure I'll get it a lot. Are you planning on coming back uh, to yeah. or, and leaving your options open? Oh, uh, yeah, that's funny. I just left three months ago. Um, obviously, I, you know, I left for a reason. I left, you know what I mean, to, to, to move on to something different and to pursue something different. But, again, I mean, if the situation's – you know, have to be right in situations, you know, have to be right for, again, this isn't just me speaking for anyone that's in the profession. Like, you know, I just saw, you know, three guys or two guys that I work with um, at Temple, you know, at, at, with Jeff Collins and they had to let, you know, the offense coordinator and, and uh, guys I worked under and then, you know, their, their corners yeah, coach, Patton, both got yeah. let go. So um, it's a strange profession. It's just one of those things where I'm just going to take things day by day. I'm enjoying spending time, like I said, with my family, I'm enjoying, um, you know, coaching quarterbacks out here in Pittsburgh. So, again, I mean, who knows what will happen if, you know, my phone rang, but that's not something I'm, I'm necessarily worried about or pushing for. Um, as an alum and a guy that loves Temple, I'm obviously very, very um, ingrained in what's going on and anxious to see uh, who they do interview and who they bring in and their thought process behind you know, everything that they're trying to do right now. And it's a follow-up to that, a similar question. This is another one from Twitter, uh, Jason Zerby. Uh, similar thing. What does ADM want? Is he interested in returning as a quarterback's coach? So I, I'm, I'm assuming, Adam, that you would never or wouldn't come back 
to be off the field because you, you talked a couple episodes ago about, you know, you know, that, that being a factor being taken off the field, uh, you know, a, a lot of coaches want to be on the field. They want that experience. Yeah. You've done it before. Let's say next, next coach, whoever it is, whether it's Elijah, it's Fran, it's, uh, it's, a uh, you know, uh, Mike Saravo, it's someone we don't know about yet. They say to you, I want you back. I want you back as my quarterback's coach. You 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 played it in college. You got a taste of it in the NFL. You you, you had success with PJ Walker. I want you as my quarterback's coach. Is that I, again? It's it's an unfair hypothetical, but I'm I'm just yeah. up on Jason's quote. It, it would would the position matter if they say we want you back as a quarterback's coach? Is yeah, that? I, I think it does matter. Um, again, but like I said, I I think the whole vision of who the guy is, what the job title is, what the description is. Obviously, when you're on the field, John, when you're on the field, listeners, you know, you have a way better opportunity and you have your own room. You have a way better opportunity to make an impact on each and every guy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what you want to do. It's like, you know, when I spent my time off the field, you know, you, you, you're you able to make a difference and you're able to do it in different ways. I mean, you still have guys that come to you for certain things. You still have guys that um, that want to talk to you and, you know, I mean, get your insight. But you're still not their position coach. And, and, you know, it's hard to kind of find those boundaries of what you can do and what you can't do and not to overstep them. So mm-hmm. it's tough to do it when you're off the field. But again, I think, you know, the whole vision of who the guy is and, you know what I mean, what the situation is, will you know, would all be telling, but that's again, that's here or there. Right. Uh, a couple more here from, from Twitter. Yeah. yeah wait, uh, next one is from uh, the Twitter handles as at temple fan Al. From Adam's experience, does he know how quickly things move after a coach leaves or gets fired? Are people being interviewed today? Well, we don't truly know if somebody was was interviewed today. I'm going to say, take an educated guess here and say that I doubt it. But um, Adam, you 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 do lend some some with a lot of other things. Obviously, that we talk about on this podcast. You do lend a lot of interesting experience and perspective here because the the last transition that you guys went through was unlike most things people experience, you know, uh, Manny Diaz is hired. He's going to retain you as far as I know. Right. Manny was good. If, if Manny stayed, he was going to retain you. Correct. Yeah. That's what he said. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, <laughs> say a lot of things. Yeah. So Manny was going to retain you. He leaves 18 days later and you got to be thinking, and I know you, you tweet it, you think control the controllable. Okay. I got to see what yeah, right. Yeah. Then Rod you comes follow, in. That's cool, man. That's cool. You read my tweets. I thought that you just, I do. just keep scrolling, John. No, of course I do. <laughs> uh, so then Rod Carey comes in and, and you're probably thinking the same thing and he retains you, but you have been in the position where you, you are keeping an eye on how quickly these things move. And sometimes it's a week, week and a half, two weeks, uh, this one was obviously over the span of a couple of different coaches, but you know, we things can move quickly to, to kind of partly answer the question here where things can move quickly. It depends on the reason I want to bring you in on this too, is it all depends on what people mean by quickly for me as a reporter, a week might seem quick or a few days. I mean, look at what's happening now, you know, even just as we're recording tonight, Ryan Kelly's leaving Notre Dame to go down to yeah. LSU, Luke Fickle could be on his way to Notre Dame. So sometimes things happen really, really quickly. You look at the Lincoln Riley situation, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But for you, you've been on the opposite end of it as an assistant coach. And you're like, my livelihood is depending on 
who comes in, what they think of me. You, you've been through that anxiety before. So what seems quick to me might not seem quick to you. So I kind of want to like tweak this question a little bit here. We know that it can sometimes take an average of a week, two weeks. It depends who the, who the heck yeah. knows this time around. Arthur mm-hmm. Johnson said today, it's going to be an organic process. What does it feel like on the opposite side of it when you're waiting and you went through double the anxiety the last time around? What does it feel like when you are waiting for the next guy to show up? Yeah, I mean, that's a great explanation. And the, 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 in the most simplest form, it's just extreme. It's extremely uneasy, I guess I should say. You know, it's pretty much as simple as that. I mean, John, you're talking about the people you care about most are affected by a decision of, you know, I mean, a group of guys or essentially one man, the next head coach. I mean, your family, you know, your house. You know, my, you know when this was going on with me, I was just having my first kid. Sure. And, you know, you know, my wife and I uh, just moved into a house about six months earlier and, you know, we had it all ready for, you know, my firstborn. So it's uneasy. I mean, you're sitting there thinking to yourself like, all right, this is I don't want to say this is my break, but this is, you know, this is my chance to go ahead and attack the next phase of my life as a full time coach. And then, you know, a guy leaves and it's like, all right, is he going to bring me? I remember. I'm sure all the coaches were out recruiting this morning. And then whenever the call came in, they probably all flew back or drove back, you know what I mean, to get to the team meeting. I remember being down at, uh, where were we? Somewhere in somewhere in Florida, it was me, Pat Node, and Stan Hickson were risen a receiver that we had committed. And we got the call that, hey, you know, emergencies team meeting. Um, Jeff Collins is going to Georgia Tech, fly back now. It's like, oh, man. So now I got to call my wife and let her know, like, hey, listen, I don't know if Jeff's bringing me down there or not you know, we might have to figure something out and, but it's uneasy. It's, it's stressful. Um, I remember when I was down at the convention and, you know, you know, this was, you know, we're still looking for a coach and I actually flew down on the same flight as, as the old AD Pat Kraft and all the people that were doing interviews down there. And I got the call from Rod Carey while I was in my hotel room. It was like super late. He was just like, Hey, uh, Adam Rod Carey. And he just was asking questions. And, you know, that was the first time communicating. I find it kind of weird that he called me, but, I guess that was whether it was somebody telling him to reach out to me and try to get some information or whether it was him trying to just vet me a little bit and see, you know, who I was and just let him know that, you know, he heard good things about me, but it's, and then you, then you go back home after that. It's like, all right, now the head guy wants to meet with you. So then you sit in and you, you know what I mean? You give him some of your thoughts and he lets you know that, Hey, listen, sorry, buddy, but we're taking you off the field. And then it's like, you know, your whole world just, you know, gets smacked in the face and, you know, you got to get back up and, you know, figure out what's next. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it might sound a little easier than how I explained it, but it's it's difficult. And that's, how, that's why I feel bad for the guys that, you know, are part of that staff right now because they're that uneasy stage. And some of them might have, might have been, you know, let go before and others weren't and others haven't. So, it's you know, and there's guys with young kids and great kids and, you know, wives on that staff that's like, I mean, I just, until it happens to you, you know, you have no idea. That's good insight there. Um, Next question here from Twitter. This might be, oh no, second to last one here. Um, uh, No, sorry. This is, I believe this is the last one. I'm scrolling all all through. It's from my guy, Irritated Al. Yes. Yeah. What does ADM think are the most important qualities of the next head coach at Temple? Yeah. First, I don't know why. I don't know who started. I don't know if it was you, if it was uh, somebody else. I know Foley calls me ADM. I have no idea who started calling me ADM. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of strange to me because I, I can't say I don't like it because everybody that knows me knows me as AD mm-hmm. besides really my wife 
and mm-hmm. maybe Miss Nadia at the facility mm-hmm. and, my, and my mother. Literally, everyone else calls me AD. And so, I mean, I sit there and I read ADM and I'm thinking to myself, like, who is this guy? But anyway, that's for another time. We it's, an Ita- a- it's, it's the Italian last name thing. Nobody, nobody, nobody. I, I had like a lot of my friends used to call me JD. And honestly, uh-huh. um, honestly, I don't know if you've ever met um, uh, Ryan Roder's wife, uh, Megan. I have, yep, yep. Megan Wagner. We were good friends when she was. Uh, and she was dating Ryan when he was, when he was a GA and, uh, she used to talk about, Oh, I, you know, I, I, I'd never see him. I was like, well, I was like, that's the life of a coach. And if you guys are ever going to get married, you know, you're going to have to get used to his, his schedule. She started calling me JDC. Uh, Al Golden would call me JDC and that stuck. And I used to tease them and say like, you're just taking, you're looking at my last name. You're looking at the capital D, the capital C. And I never got that. So maybe it's a, maybe we're, um, Maybe it's a byproduct of having these Italian last names. Maybe that's where it's, yeah, it's got to be, man. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's interesting. And I've never, like I said, I've never, I've never understood it, but I, that's the first time I've ever really brought it to the forefront. So maybe we'll hear from <laughs> whoever wants to be Yeah. So what's getting back to the yeah. question, what, what, what do you think are the I most mean, important qualities yeah, of the next head coach at Temple? I think we've talked a lot, a, a lot about it, but again, you, you've seen it, you know, what works. You know what doesn't work? What do you think are the most important qualities? These will be coach? these will be fairly quick, and they won't have. Some will have a little detail. Um, some will have just if you just listen to it again and rewind it, just listen to my words. Um, I think they have to be able to reach and to an extent relate to the current players and our future recruits. So take that for however you want to take it for. Um, and again, if I were the head coach, I think again this is just a little bit off topic, but this would be the most difficult off season I think in the history of Temple football. And I'm not talking, don't demean them. It just make it difficult mentally, physically draining and tasking. Um, but again, getting back to some quality, I think, you know, being able to evaluate and kind of recruit the right type of kid for Temple was probably the most important thing out there, John. I mean, not everybody is able to play the Temple football way. You know what I mean? It's not built for everybody. I think the guys that we talk to talk about on the regular and we see you playing on Sundays, I think they understand that, you know, the Michael Dogbys who we were hoping to get on the show here soon. I just got a text back from him. Thank God. Um, and I feel that, you know, the next guy kind of has to understand that, you know what I mean? Like they have to have also think that the next guy should, in my opinion, have some form of a Northeast tie. you know, our recruiting footprint is there. Um, and probably if not 80% of our roster, if not more, we're probably going to come from that area. Um, I think maybe, you know, one B, this guy has to be able to be a, a, a good motivator. Um, now Matt rule, and I hate to say this is probably the best motivator I've ever met. Uh, he found, you know, your button, you know what I mean? Like you have a button, John, I'm sure that whether it's, you know, a friend, your, you know what I mean? Your lady, my wife, um, <laughs> wants to, you know what I mean? Our friends our you know, our bosses, you know, you have a button and, you know, when it's pushed, you know what I mean? You, you kind of know when to go. So like he found your button, he pushed it when he needed to, and he made me a better player for it. You know what I mean? And for this next guy, that button, there's going to be 125 different buttons. And then, Mm-hmm. another 15 to 20 or more for staff members. So like being able to decipher between that is a quality you might not see, but you know, it is going to be an extremely important thing to me. And I also think John, I, mean, I literally can write 15 different things for the qualities, but those were some that just popped in my mind quickly. Um, I think the guy is going to have to come in and have a plan for the, you know, I think his strength and conditioning coach is going to have to be a, I can't say a home run hire because that sounds a little too cliche, but that's going to be an important hire for him. Um, yeah, it's absolutely true. That guy's going to have to be able to to reach these guys on a different level. 
So I think that's going to be key. That that like if it were from if, if I'm the AD, it's like all right, hey uh, Adam, I mean, you're going to be my head coach this year. Like tell me who your strength coach is going to be and why. Like what's he going to do differently than anybody else I've been around? Like so that guy's going to have to be his staff are going to have to be elite, and you know what I mean have to you know see eye to eye with our guys and be able to motivate and push them. So those are four or five things that I, that I thought about whenever I read that question. And those were some, you know, some qualities I hope that the, at least one or two of the, the next coach has. Can I, can I ask you what your, what your button was that Matt rule would push that would, that would drive you nuts? Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Heck yeah. Excuse me. Heck yeah. He would tell me like he would, I can't say demean, but he would, I don't know. How can I even explain it? Like he would say, you're acting like in the simplest form, you're acting like a baby, Adam. Why don't you just go out there and play football the way you always have? So he would say certain things. There were certain words that triggered me. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't baby. If you could, you know, if you, if you catch yeah. my drift. <laughs> so he would say something like that to me and he would pull my competitive side out like mm-hmm. no other man. Mm-hmm. And um, and then, you know, I mean, the nights before games, he would write some cool letters and stuff, some motivational things. But Sometimes, in, in, you know, he would do it out there and he'd look you square in the eye and say those things to you. And some people would take it as, oh, my God, he's, you know, attacking me. Oh, my God, he's, you know what I mean? He's he's coming at me in a different way. You no, know, I took it as, okay, I understand where he's coming from. It's go time. Find a way, Adam, to get out of your little bubble here and, and let's go attack. So he knew he knew my buttons. Let me ask you this follow-up question because there's just so much good stuff that comes out of this. Can you still do that today? I know it wasn't. I'm not. The last thing I'm trying to do is make you sound old. You're not that far removed from the game. But can <laughs> yeah, you still right? do that? Can you still do that? Do, do Does today's Gen Z football player yeah. still respond to that? Can you test them that way? And I, I know that you can yell at guys and you can get on them. You don't have to say, yeah. hey, great job. We got blown out 56 nothing. But, you know, everybody loves you. No, I know you can yell at guys. But can you still test them like that? Does that still work? I think it does. And I think. I'm going to use Fran, for example, like Fran knows how to push guys and Fran knew how to push guys when I was coaching him. Like he would have like, and you know, one thing I, again, you guys might think I'm pushing Fran here. I'm not, I'm using him as an example, but that guy would be brutally honest with his players. I think guys like that, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So he would be honest with those guys, tell them what they didn't want to hear sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that would also, you know, be a way to motivate them. Um, But, you know, to your question earlier, I think you can. I'm not, not. It's weird because I think some guys, some guys do do that, and some guys shy away from it with other guys. Like you have to know your audience, and sometimes that's hard to. You know, you're telling you like you're playing with fire because, you know, you're out here pushing buttons with a certain quarterback, and you're able to dig in, dig in on them, and you know what I mean, and say certain things that you're, you know, you know is going to motivate him. But the next guy in line, he does the same thing, and you're over there patting him on the butt. So it's like you have to treat guys the same but at the same time you're treating them differently so i think there's a fine line but again each coach is different each coach has their own you know coaching style mm-hmm. and you know maybe that's worked for them so it all just depends on i think some guys do do it and then, like i said there's some guys that you know beat around the bush a little bit and attack it and then back off with certain guys so they just have to know their audience all right well uh, this has been a really fun episode and one of yeah, the first of several questions, uh, excuse me, first of several conversations we will have about Temple's search to find Rod Carey's replacement. Um, hopefully we'll have some guests for you in the coming weeks. Might be Michael Dogby. Um, we'll try to get you know as many guests, like I said, in the coming weeks and coming months as we can. I want to thank Adam for all his great insight. Again, he's, he's been through this before. Um, 
you know, it's definitely on the coaching side of things and uh, we'll see what's next. We're going to hear a lot of names that come through for interviews. And uh, again, appreciate mm-hmm. all your mailbag questions. Uh, thank you to all of you. We're, we're seeing our, our download numbers go up by the week. Yeah, keep downloading, baby. Keep downloading, as my uh, my niece says. Download, subscribe, hit the plus button, whatever he says on Twitter <laughs> and TikTok. And, but, John, as my friend Kevin Nagandi said on his tweet, man, have faith and ignore the noise, man. Listeners, have faith and ignore the noise. Temple faithful, man. Stick together. I think we'll be all right in, in the end. Mm-hmm. Kevin is also a good friend of mine. It's uh, Yeah, I think he's, he's talking about – I think he's, I think that tweet might be directed at someone like, uh, like John Rothstein, who mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. loves going back to this old, you know, this, just this, this thing that he keeps just being into the ground and that basketball should go back to the A-10 and to my yeah. program. It's, it's, uh, mm-hmm. we're all kind of sick of it. But anyway, uh, again, Adam, thanks for being with me for another week. Thanks to all of you for listening and subscribing Keep the mailbag questions coming. Uh, keep the downloads coming and we will talk to you uh, maybe later this week if not later this week next week see you guys Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.